book of 1 John chapter 3 this morning. So thankful preacher gave me the opportunity to preach. I don't think there's anything wrong with him other than being lazy. So uh, I think, I think no, I'm, I'm seriously thankful for the opportunity to preach to you. He'll be preaching this evening and uh, look forward to hearing him then. Uh, but he gave me the opportunity to preach on Father's Day. I think probably the reason is he was hoping me studying out how to be a biblical father would help me in my in pursuit of being a father. Because right now I'm gloriously failing at that job. So anyway, 1 John chapter 3, so thankful you're here this morning. Join me in verse number 1 if you will. I'll only read three verses, so if you could do your very best to pay attention in the short verses that we have. They're very familiar though, but the Bible says in verse number 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Well, you could stop right there and preach a sermon series on, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Oh, it's so good. The Bible continues to say that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope, in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. As I began to study for this sermon and try to think about what I might preach on for Father's Day, I quickly came to the conclusion that me teaching fathers how to be good fathers is a little bit like asking Mike Tyson to teach a pacifist conference, okay? Because he doesn't have that down, nor do I have fatherhood down. I feel like I'm just making my way in it. Every day's a new task. Uh, every day's a new struggle. And certainly I don't have all the answers. Specifically in terms of vomit and other bodily fluids, I'm out. I have no reason or, uh, or, or goal or desire to be involved in anything like that. So I don't have all the answers on fatherhood. So this morning my sermon will not necessarily be on teaching our fathers how to be better fathers, although I think that that will be implied. And, and as I began to think, I also considered this thought that all of us have such different backgrounds and perspectives of fathers. You see, we didn't all have the same father. My father, in my opinion, was a great father. Yeah. But the, eh. <laughs> Still working on the humility, but he's still a great father. Not a perfect father, but a great father. I don't know what your perspective of your father, and I hope that you do have a very high esteem for him, but I don't know what your background is. I don't know how good your father was. Maybe your father was never home. Maybe your father didn't shower you with attention or affection like some others did, so... So I don't know what your perspective is on the matter. And so with this diverse experience group here, 
And, and, and just the fact that I do not feel qualified to teach on the merits of being a good father, I thought to myself, why don't I just go and study one who is a good father? And more specifically than that, how about we learn how we can have a great relationship with our father? And so that's what we're going to do this morning. I'll share with you three very quick elements to a great relationship with your father. Number one, it is this. Just look. Just look at him. In fact, that's what verse number one says. It starts out and says this word, behold. Now this is the third chapter of the book of First John, not the first chapter. If it was the first chapter, it might make sense to have a, a declarative statement or some type of word that kind of calls your attention, says, behold, the first book written by the, the John the Beloved or, or something of that nature. But that is not the case. We're not at the start of the book. We're at the third chapter of the book. And as John is writing this note here, he's recording it, but he gets to something and he says, now behold. It's like when your dad says, now son, I need you to pay attention. Now, he was always wanting you to pay attention, right? Dad never spoke without wanting your attention. But when he said that, that meant give certain more heed to what I'm about to say. Now listen up, son. And that's what John is saying here. He's saying, behold, Charles Spurgeon says you can read all sorts of scripture, but when you get to a word like behold, you better pay very close attention to a word like this. First John chapter three, behold. It just makes sense that we should look at God if we were going to love him like we should. Behold. You know, we pass by beautiful things every day and pay them no attention. Man, have you ever been outside, maybe under your porch, when a, a Texas thunder and lightning storm is going on? And I remember me and my family, we used to go out on the front porch and we would cover up in the biggest blankets we could. And we would sit there and watch the fireworks show of God, if you will. And, and the, as the clouds light up and we'd all sit there and we would say, that's beautiful, and yet, instead of going out and viewing something like that, we often enjoy just staying in the, the living room watching the evening news or what have you. We miss beautiful things every day. We miss sunrises. I don't think there's much prettier than a sunrise. And I know some people want to see a sunset over maybe uh, the, the beach or maybe the coastline. I'll tell you where I think the sunrise is prettiest. Anywhere as long as you're in Texas. I've been to ugly places in Texas, but when that sun starts to rise and starts to emit that orange glow and the sky begins to light up with all sorts of purples and yellows and, and not even the best artists could render what God does at a sunrise. And yet we miss these types of beautiful things every day. I personally think when my daughters say something like, I love you, daddy, I think that's beautiful. And yet we miss these types of things each and every day. You know, in order to behold beauty, you must look at beauty. But I want you to notice, and this is something that I think we miss often, the, the writer here is not calling our attention to the love of God. See, the Bible doesn't say, behold the love of God. He says, in fact, 
Behold what manner of love. You see, there's all sorts of different types of loves. I love you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't like you. I love you, okay? <laughs> Sometimes you're hard to like, but uh, I love you anyway. But I, I, I love my family maybe in a different degree than I love you. I love your children in a different degree than I love my children. You understand there's different levels of love. And so the, the, the writer here is not saying, behold the love of God, because that's very vague. And, and you don't necessarily know what that may mean. But he asks you to reconcile in your mind what kind of love this is. What manner of love that this is. You know what kind of manner it is? God had all sorts of ability to recreate and duplicate and and kind of make something that might exhibit His love towards us. I personally feel like you never show someone how much you love until you're willing to give and express that love. And, And God's love is certainly an expression of love through giving, right? But God could have given us all sorts of things. You see, in the Old Testament, they, they sacrificed animals to postpone their sin. Well, the Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He could have just kept giving us cattle and kept giving us goats, but it wasn't, wouldn't have cost him a single thing, you understand. He can just make that happen, no problem. He could have reached into the depth of his resources and, and maybe drawn out something that he could have resupplied or recreated, but that is not where God went or chose to go in order to express what manner of love that he had for us. God went to the one place where he could not ever go again. He went to something that he could not duplicate or replicate or somehow expose or show you uh, uh, something that could come again. He went to the one place where, where it was special and it actually cost him something to display his love for you. The Bible puts it like this. For as much as ye know, ye are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. But you're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot or blemish. You see, God has all the gold in the world and he could have just kept giving you gold. He has all the silver in the world and he could have just kept giving us silver. He owns every cattle and he owns every lamb and he could have just kept supplying those in order to postpone our sin another year. But that is not what he chose to do. He went to the one place that cost him the very greatest to show how much he loves you. To the Lamb of God, His very own Son, that's the manner of God's love. God's love cost Him a great price. Not only do you want to see the manner of love, but the writer calls to our attention, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. The word bestowed means to give or to grant or to furnish. And while there may be a lot of denominations and a lot of abominations out there that might say you have to earn or work for God's favor, that is simply unbiblical. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved, and not uh, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, 
lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, God's gift was given. It was not earned. To be honest with you, we could not have earned it if we had wanted to. God gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave. Several years ago, I kept going to my dad and I I caught myself saying something over and over and over again. I kept saying, hey dad, can I borrow some money so I can go get me a drink? And we say it so passively, but I really considered what I said one day. I said, dad, can I borrow some money to go get a drink? And what I realized is borrowing kind of calls to the mind that I may one day repay this. But, But I have no intention of giving him his money back. I would say, Dad, can I borrow some money and go get a coat? What I was saying is, God, uh, uh, Dad, can I take your money so that I can go get a Coke? You know, we may have looked to God and said, God, may we borrow salvation. But at the end of the day, God could only give salvation. Even if we had an intention to pay God back, there was no way that we could. Behold, What manner of love the Father hath given unto us, hath bestowed upon us. And the Bible says not only should we look if we're going to have a great relationship with God. Number two, we should be labeled. We are labeled. The Bible says, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Oh, don't miss this great Christian. Don't miss this great principle in Scripture. The Bible is not saying that you've only gotten His love, but now you are labeled as not just a servant, not just a slave. You are labeled as the child of God. In fact, that makes you royalty because you're now the son of a king. You're a son of God. And while our earthly parents can teach us many things... Uh, You maybe recall some of the lessons your father taught you. My father taught me one day, I'll never forget this. He said, we were drinking some sodas. And he said, "Uh, son, you want me to show you how to make a duck call out of a soda can? My face dropped. I mean, my dad knows so much about everything. I mean... He's gone hunting for years. I mean, he's, one time I told dad after he's dragging this big buck out of the woods, he said, he, you know, he looks like this big hunter. I said, dad, everybody else may think you're a good hunter, but I just think you're lucky. That's what I told dad. But when I was a little kid, man, I thought dad had all the answers in the world. And so we're sitting there drinking a Pepsi and he says, son, you want me to show you how I can make a duck call out of this soda can? And I'm thinking, we're going to be rich. I mean, people are charging an arm and a leg for these things. We can just drink Pepsis and sell our cans. It's going to be great. I was like, yeah, show me. He takes the tab off the very top of the Pepsi can, puts it up to his mouth, and I am anticipating the sounds that are supposed to come now. I didn't even know what kind of duck it was. I mean, is this going to be a mallard call? Is this going to be a widgeon call, a teal call? Who knows? I mean, there's all sorts of ducks. What duck call is going to emit from this wonderful Pepsi can tab? Dad, show me! And he said, Here, ducky, 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 ducky. 
Here, ducky, 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 ducky. My heart sank in disappointment as I realized I was now the butt of my father's joke. You see, your dad may have showed you all sorts of earthly things, some good things, maybe some not so good things. But our earthly father could not help us in matters of the next life. Oh, sure, they might be able to teach us how to be good men and good ladies and how to carry ourselves as godly people. And and that's all good. And that helps in this life. But what are you going to do with your next life? You see, your father's never been there. Your earthly father is no more experienced or knowledgeable about you in that area than you in that area. You know, my dad says something like this. He says, I've been around the barn a couple times. He ain't been around no heavenly barns. And so what do you do in matters of the next life? Well, let me tell you this. Sometimes we just got to understand how great of a privilege it is to be the child of a heavenly father. The Bible says, the Bible says this wonderful thing, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to be called the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That's a very intimate term there, Abba, Father. We're not just alienated from our righteous Father, but we are brought into our heavenly Father's throne room. What a blessing to be called the child of God. And it's such a privilege, and yet it seems so more appropriate for us to be called his subjects. He's high and holy. How can we relate to a God like he? How can we understand his wisdom? How can we search all of his judgments? He's so much greater than us, and he is truly the King of kings and Lord of lords. And and it would make more sense for beggars and paupers like you and me to be called subjects, and yet we are not subjects at all. It would make more sense for us to be called his servants, just laborers in his field, just people following his will and his wish, but but never really knowing the one who the wishes come from. And yet we are no more servants, but we are called sons. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, a joint heir of God through Christ. What a privilege to be called God's son. And I'll tell you, Christians, sometimes it's not always easy to understand this great principle. Especially when you find yourself in situations of despair or despondency where life has just really got you down. You think to yourself, oh, life isn't going well for me. And you think, oh, God's just a million miles away. And you think there's no way he could hear my cry. And there's no way that my prayers are getting above the roof line. And you struggle and you sit in your valley and you sit in your sorrow. And you just wonder how far God is away from you. But at that very moment, Christian, may I help you to understand that God is your father and what father worth his weight and salt will not jump into the midst of his child's problems to help them in them. Don't let your sorrow, your valley discourage you. You are always a child of God, not only in the good times, but also in the bad times. God is your father. 
I read a story recently about a young man just 24 years old. It struck me because I wish I was 24 still. But I remember reading this story about a young man whose name is Anthony Burgess. Actually, in March of this year, 2018, Anthony Burgess found his name in the newspaper. You see, Anthony had pulled up into an apartment complex of one of his friends and he put the car in park and he stepped out to begin talking with one of his friends. His three-year-old daughter was in the car and, and Anthony didn't realize it at the time, but his three-year-old daughter had gotten into the driver's seat and somehow knocked the car into neutral. They were on a steep slope and the car began to roll down an embankment it's winter in Indianapolis, and so uh, you can understand the temperature and what it might be. This car began to roll down this embankment, eventually coming to rest in an icy pond. Anthony's daughter in the front seat. Anthony, his friend who had been talking the whole time, saw the commotion and saw the car leaving. They chased the car down, and they both jumped into the frigid waters so that they might save the little girl. Neither of them knew how to swim. Anthony is there trying to pull his daughter from the car. His friend could only stand the waters for just a moment, so he had to retreat to the bank. And just before the car sunk completely, Anthony pulled his three-year-old daughter from the seat and handed it to a, a, someone now who was helping Anthony, handed his daughter to him, and the, the person took the daughter safely back to shore. A bystander that was standing on the second balcony of the apartment complex looked down into the pond and saw the yelling and saw the screaming and the commotion of what was going on. And he had the perspective to see Anthony's head submerge underwater as the daughter made it safely to shore. The, the chief of, uh, or the corporal of the fire department there in Indianapolis only had this to say about this event. He did everything he could to save his daughter. You show me a father that loves his children and I'll show you a father that will give his life for his children. And I want to tell you right now, you might be in the biggest problem of your life, but there's a heavenly father who wants to throw himself right in the middle of your problem. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you. The Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we may be called the sons of God. If you're going to have a great relationship with your heavenly Father, you must first of all look. You must second of all, you must understand you are labeled that you are a child of God. And thirdly, I want you to see this. When you enter into this great relationship with your heavenly father, you will learn who he is and you will begin to live like he did. The Bible says this in verse number three. And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself even as he is pure. You see, we all bear resemblances of our earthly father. My daughters have, they're bald as can be. They were, at least, when they were babies. Thomas now, he's bald as can be. And if I took you and she showed you my baby pictures, you'd see. They get that from their daddy. Bald as can be. They get their curly hair from their daddy, too. You see, 
Caitlin's hair actually goes down back past her hiney, but you wouldn't know it because uh, uh, it's so curly. It's crazy. Bailey's hair is the same way. Thomas's hair, well, let's just pray it turns less red than it is right now. That's, that's my prayer. We all bear resemblances of our Father. And you've got to understand that, that our Father is pure. He is holy. The Bible says, be ye holy, even as I am holy, the Lord says. So our Father is, is righteous. Our Father is holy. Our Father is pure. And so here for the child of God, here's what you must understand. His children will bear resemblance to him. And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself even as he is pure. Now some look at this as a prescription for the Christian life. And a lot of preachers have preached it that way. If you're going to be a child of God, you ought to be holy. You've probably heard something like that. That's not what John says. John's not saying you should be holy because he is holy. No, no, no. John says every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. You understand if you're a child of God, you're going to look like dad. You're going to bear resemblance to dad. It's not a prescription for the Christian life. Some people even view this as a problem. They'll say to themselves, well, I've fought a lot of battles. I've faced a lot of temptations. And I generally come out on the losing end of those fights. They say, I've tried to be good. I've tried to do the right thing. But I find my my flesh and my sin nature rising up more often than I win. I don't feel like a conqueror. I feel like a loser. And I've been there before. And we may look at this verse... Every man that hath this hope purifieth himself even as he is pure. We look at this like, there's no way I can do that. I mean, I want to be a good person. I want to do the right things. But, but I don't always do the right things. And so some look at this verse as a problem. But let me tell you what this verse is. This verse is a promise. It does not say we should purify ourselves even as he is pure. It doesn't say we will struggle to purify ourselves, even as he is pure. You know what it says? And every man that hath this hope purifieth. Meaning, we will purify ourselves by the power of God, by the grace of God. And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You know, I bear certain resemblances to my father. Uh, my vision. I used to have fantastic vision. I would go to the doctor and I would read the very bottom line on that eye chart there. And all the ladies would say, I, I think you have 20-10 vision. And, and I, I bragged about it, to be honest with you. I thought that I was just awesome because I had eyesight. It was awesome. Well, now, recently, everything's become blurry. And I find myself struggling even to see things like the TV or, or signs at night. You know where I get that from, Dad? Not really. Not really. Not really. <laughs> see, I've got glasses like he does now. I remember growing up thinking, man, my hair's so thick, my hair's so full, I'm never going to have any balding issues. All these losers that are going to go bald, man, that's going to be, they're going to look ridiculous. 
And then uh, I, I just assumed that my dad didn't pass that to me. Well, now it's like my uh, hairline's afraid of my lips, you know, because it just keeps running away. I don't know. I, I just bear certain resemblances to him. Our bodies are built the same. The way we laugh is the same. The, way we, the things we think are funny are the same. You turn me and dad loose on an episode of America's Funniest Home Videos, you ain't hearing nothing in the next two hours because we're just going to be laughing at people. It's so funny, I heard somebody on the plane or something this last week and they said, I just don't get how you could laugh at people that are getting hurt. And I thought to myself, I don't see how you can't. <laughs> I mean, I want to not do it, but it's just so funny. I remember growing up, man, if I hurt my shin or something happened to me, you know, like I've told you the electrocution story where that 110 volts of electricity grounded out on my ring and man, all that electricity hit me. You want to know how supportive dad was? This is what he did. <laughs> That's dad for you. Amen. And if that had been somebody else who got electrocuted, I can 100% guarantee you that I would have been right there in perfect harmony with dad laughing at it. That's the way it is. We bear resemblances to our Father. Whether you want to admit it or not, you share DNA with Him. This is not a prescription for the Christian life. You ought to be holy because God is holy. That's not what it's saying. It's not a problem like, oh, Christians are going to struggle and they're going to fight and there's no way they can live a victorious Christian life. That is not the case. The Bible says, and every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. Let me break it down for you like this. This verse is saying this in a long way, what I'm going to say in a short way. And every man who has God as his father will look like God because he is his father. We just look like God because He is our Father. We begin to behave like God because He is our Father. I've realized that the more time I spend with my dad, the more I begin to think and talk and act like my dad. We go on vacation for a week or something, and I sense that I become more like him the more time I spend with him. You want to know the reason so many Christians act nothing like God? It's been a long time since they've been at dad's house. Sometimes I'll just, I'll just be on my way home from church or I'll be driving home from a long day at work and I'll see dad's truck parked over in the driveway and I'll just pull into the house and I know where he's going to be sitting. He'll be sitting in his recliner and he'll have his Bible open and Fox News will more than likely be on or some very black and white Western, one of those two things. And I'll go in there and I'll just take about an hour of my day and I'll just sit in dad's house, not even really talking, just sitting with dad. When's the last time you just got alone with dad at dad's house? And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself even as he is pure. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. I don't know if this is the case this morning, but I am quite sure in a crowd this size, there's someone in this room who has never called on God as Father. You may have looked at Him as Lord, you may have looked at Him as Creator, but you've never called on Him as Father. Did you know your father loves you enough that he sent his only son to die for you? 
There is nothing preventing anyone in this room this morning from joining the family of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. Where's your relationship with Dad at? Is it great? Because there is nothing preventing you from spending time with Dad. There's nothing preventing you from being at Dad's house.